Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score NI. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Good afternoon and welcome along to The Score here live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me Michael Clark, me Colin Hopkins and our special guest today is Balnamallard goalkeeper John Connolly. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon Michael. Great to have you here in the studio with us. So what's coming up on the show? Well obviously it's Irish Cup quarter final weekend so John is one of the players who will be participating. We'll be talking about Balnamallard. They are away to Dungannon Swifts on Saturday and we'll be talking about the other three games as well. One happening tonight between Lauren and Coleraine. Let us know how you think those are going to go. We have four polls. Yes, you've been spoiled. We've done an extra poll today for you. One was slightly last minute, I'll admit. Uh, poll one, Brendan Rogers has left Celtic for Leicester because, have your say, is it because Leicester are a bigger club? Is it because of the players available? Is it because money talks? Or is it because he just found the Scottish League a bit too easy? He was winning everything and he needed a new challenge. Let us know of those. What do you think of it? Something completely different. You can leave a comment underneath. Uh, poll 2, Irish Cup quarterfinals on Saturday. But which of these rivals will go furthest? Balamina, Coleraine or neither? Maybe both will lose. So get your votes in on that one. Poll 3, be honest. Have you ever refused to be subbed off? Yes, I'm the original Kepa. I wanted to, but I bottled it as Jason McAteer admitted the other night on television, or no way. Maybe you think you'd never do such a thing. And our fourth and final poll, it's St David's Day. But which of these is your favourite David? Is it David Beckham, David Coulthard, David Dickinson, yeah, that one, or David Healy? Cast your votes now. And I feel, and I hold my hands up here, you know, having a goalkeeper in the studio, and it was pointed out to me that maybe there's an oversight there already, John, that I haven't included uh, David Seaman. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's criminal of me. But anyway, it's brilliant to have you here in the studio with us today. Um, what a last couple of months it appears to be at Ballon and Mallard after a difficult start to the season. What's the trick to the turnaround? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, we didn't get we didn't get too down about the, the bad run that we were on. Um, we kept doing things that we were doing previously and working on things. And the manager kept uh, saying, you know, it will it will turn for us and everything. And, and lucky enough, uh, it did. And... I mean, to make the top six from where we were was, you know, was brilliant. And now, obviously, we've got the quarterfinals of the Irish Cup to look forward to as well. Exciting times ahead. Um, Balna Mallard are a club that uh, I have to say I always hold in very high regard because I think um, how they treat everybody. And I'm talking about outsiders. You know, when when you go down to report a game, you're always made to feel very welcome. It's a wonderful playing surface as well. What's it like to be a player of that club? Because they don't get the same amount of exposure as other clubs in the country, I don't think. No, they don't. But uh, as as a player there, it's it is it's fantastic. Um, everything is done. You get get really well looked after. Um, as you said, the, the the pitch and everything is in great condition. We've got the training pitch out the back as well, the three G the train on. Um, 
in terms of other things, you know, we we get well up. We we eat we eat together as a as a team on a Tuesday after training. We meet up early on a Saturday for pre-match and everything. So everything is everything is done for you. It's great. Is there a, a sense around the club with the players of, I, I guess, kind of you know we're we're sort of outside the rest of the footballing sphere because you know they're they're flying the flag for Fermanagh in many ways. It's not like uh, the the Belfast clubs or anything like that. You know, it, they always hear about uh, how hard it can be to recruit for that area. So do those players? Is that why it forms a, a tighter bond in a way because everyone really wants to be there? Um, yeah, I would imagine so. There is a, there's a, obviously a nucleus of the, the local-based players. There's, there's lads down from Sligo. Um, there's obviously myself travelling up from, from Newry. Um, but yeah, there is. You can, you can get that sense of you know, a, a togetherness in the, in the change room and everything, and not just the change room, around the club itself. You were talking about, uh, just before we came on air, a turning point in your season. It's a great story. Do you want to share it with our listeners? Yeah, it was down in there. Uh, down a lock all away. It was a horrible, horrible day. Horrible conditions. Um, we we done well. We got, it was two each at the time. Um, literally last last minute or so, when there was a, a ball across the box and it was a bit of a ricochet, and it was literally landing on one of the lock all players' foot, and one of the lads, uh, Chris Kelly, just put he literally put his head in and cleared it with his head. I, I to now I don't know how he done it, and it was it was a turning point because it, it broke that run of defeats that we were on. I got us a two all draw. And from there, you know, everything everything seemed to pick up from there. What was that moment like from your... Because you have the best view in the house of that moment of bravery or madness. Oh, well, to be fair, I was behind him. I would have caught it anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it was... As I said, I was looking at it. It was fair, fair play to him. It was it was some piece of defending, like... Do you, you find, uh, as a keeper... Because obviously, I, I can't relate to that. I've, I've been thrown in goals, but playing with your mates isn't quite the same. Does it move slow, slower in front of you? You know those big moments when they say, you know, you have to make that crucial save. Does it slow down in front of you, or does it? What's it like from no, your it point of view? Does. I wish it. Did. I wish it did slow down in front of me. <laughs> Maybe made a few more saves throughout <laughs> the years, but um, now it's just a, it's just a lot of it is is instinct and reaction stuff, and a lot of that stuff is you know, it's just it's just in you. Uh, the instinct, you know, um, there's obviously stuff you you walk on and train and and re- get in regards to reaction stuff and all that, but uh, no, it's just instinct. Was that something that as a kid you kind of knew you were going to be a goalkeeper? Was it like you know someone dropped a cup in the house and you're like, we caught it there, we go, he's of it. Our boy's going to be a goalie one day. No, because I, <laughs> when I was when I was that bit younger, I played I played outfield, and it was it was a day, um, from a, an area in Dublin called East Wall, and we had a a playground around the corner from the house. And we were in there one day, and the, the the bigger boys come in to play, and you're kind of thrown off the pitch. And uh, the only way I got to stay on and play was because they said, right, well you can play if you go on goal. And literally, the 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 footballs were just hit me. I mean, I was I was didn't want to show that it was hurting me, but I enjoyed <laughs> making the saves and the ball hit me and everything. And from that day, then I just kind of took it on from there. Because I think there's always um, when you discover and when you're playing with mates like that, when you discover someone that's a half decent goalkeeper, there's like an immediate respect, isn't there? Because you you do have to take a bit of punishment. It's it's not easy. I know people joke about goalkeepers being a protective breed and everything like that, but uh, it can hurt too. Oh, I definitely can. I mean, as I said, that day I didn't want to show them because they were the bigger lads, and I didn't want to show them that I, that the ball was hurting me because it was hitting me in the face and everything. But I enjoyed it, and from then on, whenever I went into the playground, that they said to me, right, you can go and goal. And that was that was just it just took off from there. Like, so what was your first chance at playing for sort of a, at a half decent level then? Um, schoolboy football. I played for a, a a club in Dublin called St Kevin's Boys, 
which is kind of a, a renowned schoolboy club in Dublin and that. Um, so I was there for a lot of me from, I think from probably the age of 12 or 13, right up to 18 then. Um, so throughout school and all that, I was playing with them and obviously playing with a school team and everything. Um, you mentioned there's some Kevin's boys with a right and was that a member of Westlife? There was, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Nicky and he was a goalkeeper as well, yeah. Um, I think he was a year younger than me. Um, he went to, he went across then to Leeds then as well. So um, he came back, he came back and played in the League of Ireland as well for a bit. Um, so I, I, I kind of know him. I, I knew his, I knew his dad as well. His dad used to go to all the games and all that. So I known his dad from being on the, on the sidelines watching the games and that as well. So you have no regrets of not going into boy band yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, unfortunately, it was just the voice. You know, I could have got in the boy band, alright. But you know I mean? <laughs> Nicky, I'll be a backing dancer. It'll be absolutely fine. You've seen my footwork firsthand. It's it's quality. Um, that w- we were just having a wee chat beforehand, and I was like, "That's the crazy thing about Dublin, because it's it's obviously it's a massive city by comparison to Belfast, but yet." yet there's so many people in and around that area that you just bump into. Like, I came out of a shop in Dublin recently just saw Louis Walsh in the street, and I just sort of go, what's he doing here? And you go, honestly, oh, he lives here. It's an incredible place. What was it like at that time when, when you were getting into that team? Obviously, you had a choice between uh, maybe you know joining the boy band or becoming a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dublin Dublin is great. You know, it's I, I've been in, I've living in Newry now 20 years, but, you know, home is Dublin, it's... Dublin is a great place, you know. All, obviously, all the family and all that are still down there and everything. But um, just love going home. You just love, I love being in in the in the city centre and just the the feel you get from being in Dublin. And as you said, you you'll bump into the odd the odd famous people as well when you're there as well. Which fry is better, a fry that you get in Newry or a fry you get just an hour down the road in Dublin? Uh, Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> I I maintain that the bacon and sausages taste different. I don't eat bacon and sausages. Oh, for Ooh. goodness sake. I'm, I'm an athlete. He's an athlete. Yeah, I, tell you, I tell you what, he is an athlete. John was a, the first guest on The Score in quite a while to bring us uh, some lovely treats today, so thank you very much. Um, he's brought us Jaffa Cakes. Other brands are indeed available, <laughs> but uh, he wouldn't even partake. That's that's how committed he is, just in case Harry's listening as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm not just taking a box. Actually, actually, very true. Um, so, as you say, the move to Newry came 20 years ago. Um You've played in the League of Ireland. You've played in the Irish League. Um, what would you say are some of your memories across your career that really stand out? Um, a lot of the, a lot of the ones would be at um, Cliftonville. Um, a lot of them as well. I was playing in Europe. It's hard to be playing in playing in Europe and everything. You know the, the whole build up to it. Um, you know, especially the away games when you're away for maybe a few days and not staying in the hotel and. And basically, you're, you're like a full-time pro when you're away. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of the, the European games, and obviously when when we were there, we done well in Europe. We got a, got a few a few wins and that. I think the first time the club had won in Europe was when we beat the uh, Latvian team, and then obviously building on that, the, the following season we went to Croatia, and we got a I think it was a one-nil win at home and a nil-nil out there. So get you around on that as well. Um, clean keeping clean sheets in Europe and that. Um, Obviously, the main things of winning trophies. You know, anytime you win a trophy, is always something something good to look back on. You were the first Cliftonville goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet in Europe, I Brighton, so. so I believe, yeah. Mm. Not, it's the first time I heard it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, was it the? I think it was the away game in in Latvia. Good I think we I think we drew the drew the home game one each and went over there and won one nil. It was a Mark Holland got the got the winner. And seven consecutive games of clean sheets for yourself is another club record you hold. 
yeah, that, that was a strange one. It was close to 800 minutes or something. And we'd never, mm. literally never spoke about it the whole time it was happening and we'd gone through it. And remember we were playing away at Cole Ryan and Eddie's, Eddie, Eddie Patterson's whole team talk was about the, the, the clean sheet record. And we were only, I think it was two minutes away from uh, an overall Irish league record. And obviously that was the first time we spoke about it and we went down and conceded a penalty and then we were one down. I think we're two down after a minute and a half then as well. <laughs> so better sometimes not to bring it up. Not to mention it at all, yeah. Oh, incredible. I think I, I think I said that to the guy after the game as well. <laughs> you see uh, those sort of things like clean sheet records. Obviously clean sheets are very important and defenders and goalkeepers uh, will always have that sort of thing in their mind. You, as a team, you weren't talking about it in your head at that stage. Were you thinking about it and kind of going... Come on, there's no, a record we, here. Or? I didn't know that we were that close to to a record. Obviously, I knew we'd gone X amount yeah. of games and somebody had converted it to minutes without conceding. But I didn't know we were that close to the actual Irish League record of. And it goes to show how impressive it is because the Irish League has such a high goals per game average as well. And you know, so you could go, oh, seven or eight games I conceding's okay, yeah, what's that? But when you think about how many goals, over three goals a game, usually in the Irish League, it actually means that you're having to deal with a lot of shots, your defenders are having to really do their job and hopefully your attackers aren't are putting so much pressure on the other end that they don't come and I guess pose that threat to you too. Yeah. Everyone has to play well. Yeah. It, it was a you know, kinda of looking back on it now, it was to to get that amount of games without conceding was was, was decent. Um, over your time at Cliftonville, because Unsurprisingly, Cliftonville fans uh, reacting happily, finding you're on. It must be nice to know. First, actually, before I ask the question, I was going to must be nice to know that uh, fans of clubs you've played for previously have nice memories of you, and when they hear your name, they go, "Oh, I remember John. He was good keeper." Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, as I say, obviously the the, the the Cliftonville thing comes up because I was there for I don't know what seven years, seven and a half years, something like that, and X amount of games and what have you, and. Had a real, a real, a real bond with the with the support. The supporters there were brilliant. Always were brilliant with me and and the club itself. You know, so that's uh, you know, it's, it's fun times that you look back on. In terms of the the players that were uh, out there alongside you, who do you have some of the the most enduring memories of? Who who do you get on best with? Um, at Cliftonville, probably the Skinnell brothers, and I'd say probably maybe Liam Fleming as well. We had a kind of it's probably because we we're the older ones that was there, you know. So um, they'll obviously come back and say they're not as old as me, but um, yeah, we kind of had a, a a nice understanding and that, and they were good lads off the pitch as well. Do you think if we had them in here today, they would say you were just such a, a calming influence to to be in front of? <laughs> no, definitely not. No, <laughs> um, no, without even without even thinking too much about that, no, they definitely wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've calmed down more now, but yeah. Well, I was gonna say right. Um, the elephant in the room. You're 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 playing into your forties. Yes. How that must come with you. You're being very good with your diet, clearly. And uh, how much of that comes into it? You know, as as you get older, do you have to be very regimented in what you eat, how you train, how much adaptation is there for you to be, I guess, as supple as flexible as you need to be to be a, a goalkeeper? You have to. Yeah, you have to look at yourself away from even. Away from the training and everything else, um, as you said, what you're what you're eating, what you're drinking. Um, I'm lucky enough. I've got a I've got a good friend of mine who's who's who looks after meals and everything. Uh, pro pro performance uh, nutrition, 
and they they give you everything that you that you require you know everything's done out for you and they can they can supply you with that and you can just basically fire in the microwave and eat that if you if needs be um training wise i you know i try and try and f- i think it's five days a week um train sunday morning straight after the game on saturday on the training pitch a half morning on sunday morning um and that's been a that's been a great help for me getting that session in that on a sunday morning um instead of being tight and sore on the sunday i'm by by lunchtime i'm i'm good to go again and where do you do that then do you is that at the club or is that elsewhere no lucky enough uh armagh city allow us to to go in and use the, use the facilities there um the other the reason for that as well is because the the goalkeeper that comes in with me is danny devoy who plays for for armagh so they let they let the two of us just walk away the they supply us with the, the footballs everything is there for us um, so it's great. That's actually there. There's something probably a lot of people didn't know. I think that's a really nice touch because um, it shouldn't be taken for granted how how good that is of them to say, well, "Come on in, you know, avail of the facilities, and and be your best." Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And they, 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 even the the showers and everything. The showers will be hot. And the showers and all are on for us. Um, whenever hot showers, <laughs> hot showers in the Irish league ground. That I can't know, be taken yeah, for granted either. Um, so yeah, no, it is fair play to them. It is great. Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to think that. Danny is benefiting from coming in and training as well and getting the extra session in. So, you know, hopefully it's it's helping them as well. You're talking about, you know, you're, you're calmer now, you're, you're wiser. Um, is that just something that comes with more life experience or is that something you had to get yourself in a, a mindset to do or how did it come about for you? Well, I said calmer, I didn't say wiser. <laughs> um, no, I don't know, to be honest, but it just, it probably is. It's just that, that more experience that you've got, you know, you just, just deal with things differently than what you did whatever 10 years ago or whatever it was you know because I would imagine when you get your first break into a senior side every player's nervous and has a different way of channeling that but as a keeper it, it could become erratic you know you could try and come out and rush every cross and be a bit too present in a game whereas maybe um, with time and experience you start to realise I don't need to do this all the time. I can speak here. I can stay back here. Whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it now is, it, you know, it is talking and it's passing on that and helping the boys in front. Because if you're getting them, if you're talking to them, getting them in the positions that where they're doing the right thing, it's it's saving you having to do it. And if I go out and play a game on a Saturday and I literally have nothing to do, maybe years ago you'd be saying, "Oh, I had nothing to do today. I would have liked to make a save." Now I'm like. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'll take that every week. I'd say you are. I had a really interesting conversation with Al Curry about people being vocal on the pitch. Um, and he was making the point that it's kind of going out of the game a wee bit. That you don't have that same ferocity. Younger players coming through, maybe whether it's a confidence thing or just a, a change in culture or whatever, but you don't necessarily have those same vocal leaders, people that lead by example and stuff. But maybe that sort of shouting at someone to get into position or, or picking a teammate up if they made a mistake or maybe just telling them that they need to up their game a wee bit, whatever the case may be. Um, that's something that's in your game. But I was just wondering, when you're working with younger goalkeepers, when you're out maybe even with Danny, or, or, is that something you would encourage to try and be more vocal? I, I would encourage it as long as it's not just shouting for a case of being heard. If you're passing on the right information, then absolutely. But if you're just shouting just for shout's sake, there's no point in it as long as you're passing on the correct information and you're helping people out absolutely I think there's two there's, there's a couple of different ways you know I know what you're talking about that maybe it's gone out of the game but that could be a, the one where it's just people bawling and shouting has gone but maybe you know it's people being more calm and talking people through games 
rather than just a just a bawling and shouting. Yeah, so we don't hear it because people are now talking to each other as opposed to screaming at each other. Oh, they're still they're still screaming. Like, <laughs> they're still screaming going on. All right. Who is who is the worst when it comes to screaming? Who is the worst at screaming at you? And I'm not asking you to name a spectator. I'm talking about either teammates or management. Oh, Eddie Patterson. Yeah. 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 Oh, you, that was like lightning yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Straight away, yeah, Eddie. Yeah. Um, but, well, do you know what? Um, he got the best out of me. Definitely got the best out of me. Like, and I have a lot of respect for Eddie and a lot of time for me. Well, we still keep in contact and everything now. Um, but yeah, without uh, you seeing how quick I said it. Yeah, yeah. And was but that? It, it wasn't just with me. I think it was that was just that was just Eddie. Yeah. Even at training, it was just full on. But great man. I don't think he gets enough credit for the especially the job that he done at Cliftonville because mm-hmm. when it, where he took them where he took over to where he got them to when he was leaving is night and day. I have to be honest and say I'm surprised he hasn't returned to Irish League and that might be a totally personal decision, I'm not sure. But um, seeing how well he did and indeed his achievements at Glentoran as well, you're sort of thinking, clubs are looking for success. There's a man that just seemed to know the recipe to win an Irish Cup. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't come back. Maybe he will at some stage. It'd be good to see him back because, you know, as you say, he was able to get the best out of you and a group of players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm as surprised as you that he hasn't got back in the game after the especially out of, I mean he done well at the Glens when the Glens were maybe kind of struggling financially and what have you and he done well there as well so I'm surprised at that as well um, Managers that guess I, the, the art form is knowing which players to really push and which ones need a bit more encouragement um, which side of the fence would you fall on did did you need to be kind of riled up to be your best or did you like an arm around the shoulder or was there a was there a happy medium there somewhere Um Probably going back to that, I would probably say riled up. Um because there's one there's one thing in going out there when we were over in Croatia playing uh Sabalia. We we're in the tunnel and the referee, friend oh, I didn't understand the word he was telling, but he kept pointing at me socks. It was the colour of the tape. Oh. It was the wrong colour and I lo- I lost a I lost a head in the <laughs> in the tunnel and yeah, he taught me I had to go back in and change the change the tape anyway, but it, it got me I went out and kept a clean sheet and somebody said it was probably the best goalkeeping performance they've seen in a European game. So I would say probably that. It's funny because sometimes I find personally, you see even doing this, there's, there's, I have gone in this and maybe not surprise people, I've gone in to do radio programmes where I've had a fight with somebody or a, quite a strong argument with somebody before the programme. Sometimes it's a create and it's, it's not you calling and before <laughs> someone goes, Betty, he just absolutely bullies him. No, I don't. I hope, hope you wouldn't think so. But... Um, before a program, maybe it's a creative difference, maybe it's nothing even to do with the program. But sometimes I come in to do a program and I'm, I'm in a really bad mood, and sometimes I actually feel more focused by it. It's like that you have to channel it so it doesn't affect you, and so it kind of makes you better. And um, whereas there's other days you come in, you're in great form, but you can just not be concentrating. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's the same for keepers, I, but it, I, it can, it can, as you say, it, it, it can happen like that. Now I'm, now I'm more, as I said, I go back to the old camera, whereas I, you know I've got my own. My own routine, my own routine that I go through, and I don't need as such to be. You know, if I've done something that I, I shouldn't have done, or I, I made a mistake, I know, and I know how to deal with it, and I know how to build on that and, and get over it. Yeah. Um. So it's just, it's just that experience. Uh, one on goalkeeping, um, that I always am interested in is I remember watching the old Neville Southall videos. You know, when he used to, he kind of gave those who came on your TV and told you, "Here's how you be a goalkeeper," and he'd be out with a kid. And I always thought it was amazing, magical stuff. 
Um, and kind of the old school of thought was if it's to your left, lead with your left hand. If it's to your right, lead with your right hand. And now you see David De Gea saving it with any part of his body, often his feet and his legs. And it, it feels like goalkeeping's evolved and that mentality's involved. Um, you know, what's your take on it all? If it hits me, it hits me in the face, it stays out with the net, I'm happy. And the, the, the one you're talking about, people going to the left with your left hand, if, if you look at it and you put your left hand out and you bring your right hand across, your right hand goes forward. So if the ball's that bit higher, you've got to save it with your top hand. And that's and you hear, the, you hear commentators all the time saying he saved it with the wrong hand. How can you save it with the wrong hand? If you've saved it, you've saved it. Yeah. Um, as I said, you do that, you do that. Your top hand goes forward. Yeah. So you. Because I never understand where keepers have their energy from before, you know. But comparing the drills that they do, I think you know. Because I'm, I'm looking at outfield players sprinting around cones for a bit and passing a ball around, and you go, that looks fairly okay. Keepers, I mean, I remember being behind Ben Foster behind uh, before a Carling Cup final in Man United Spurs, and I was watching what he went through and. T- to my mind, it was one of the most impressive things. I think it was Eric Steele uh, working on it, and you're going, "Jeez, he'd be punctured! Like, how is he going to actually perform during the match?" Because they were drilling the ball at him. He's diving down his left, saving it, throwing it back, getting back up, and trying to save another shot. And to me, it was like, I think I'd die on the spot. But that's clearly why I wasn't playing. <laughs> Do you know what? It's great because you you go out the training, and the and the lads will say, "Oh, they're the goalkeepers throwing the footballs at each other." And and my first thing is, <laughs> I I always say to them, I said, "Well, you." When you come on down and do the session with us tonight and, and see how you feel after it, I'm still waiting on on one of them to say, yeah, okay, I'll do it with you. And they'll, they'll, every time you go out, they'll say the same thing. They're the air away with the footballs and they just throw the ball at each other and they'll talk nice to each other. And But yeah, I can stick four cones down there and I'll run up and down beside them all day, you know, backwards and forwards. But stick them in a goalkeeping session, they'll not be able to do it. No, it's just the idea of having to throw yourself to the ground, pick yourself back up, throw yourself the other side, pick yourself back up, and you go... No thanks. <laughs> and their best one is, a, is the club captain, Richard Clark. He's at it all the time. Ah, oh, they're away to kick the ball at each other again. I'm, oh, come on, Clay, you coming down down to the session <laughs> with us? So maybe maybe when he hear, if he hears this, he might next week do a session with us. There you go, Richard. Open invitation. Get that goal. Keep him practicing. He did suffer quite a bad injury there, sort of not too long ago. Uh, yeah, sort of a, a ruptured Achilles tendon. Now I think you were 41 at the time. A lot of players would have thought, "That's me done. I've, I've done my bit, so to speak." Not you. Yeah, um, it was it was the strangest thing ever. You know, it was literally jogging towards. I was jogging to play. The, there was a, the ball had been switched in training, and I was jogging just to make myself available for the pass. And literally just went down. And the first thing I done was look behind me to see who who had hit me. And there was nobody even close to me. It was the weirdest sensation um, that I felt. Um, and I did the first couple of weeks after the injury. I did think to myself, right, that's. That's gonna be it. Um, um, I made a I made a phone call to a to a physio that I know, uh, Frank Quinn, um, and literally explained to him what had happened. And the first thing he said to me was, "Right, what's the time frame on when do you want to be back?" And as soon as I heard that, I said, "Right, can we get can we push for pre-season?" And he said, "Yeah, no problem." And that was it. That was that, that was just the words I needed to hear. Was when do you want to be back? And and we just took it from there. Now, in saying that, it was it was hard work. Um, but I put the effort in. I, everything he told me to do, I'd done it. And lucky enough, then I come out. I come out the other side of it. So retirement's a million miles away still. What retirement? I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> okay, 
it's a good example for all us older people to yeah. just keep on going. Yeah. I remember um, we were. <laughs> do you remember we were really random? It was such a random thing. Talking about uh, Steve Grizovich one time on this program, and then someone got in touch and was, "Oh, we know Steve Grizovich because I, I think it was just talking about goalkeepers that played beyond forty. And I, I always loved Steve Grizovich, and then we got him on the show, and he was, I think he was named like the top fifty golden oldies of all time or something like this, which I don't know if he was that pleased with, but um, he was just a, an amazing character to talk to. But you know, obviously your teammates give you a stick and go, oh, sure, you're just throwing the ball about there. So of course you can play on till you're a hundred. You know, you're not doing anything. <laughs> I know, but yeah. um, I'm sure it doesn't always feel that way. No, definitely not. I, I feel, I feel, I feel good after after games and everything. As I said, I get out on a Sunday morning straight away to loosen up the legs and everything again um, but I feel alright after training as well so as long as I keep feeling like that there's no reason why you can't you can't go on I think we played a, we played the Welders there a few weeks ago away and, and one of their one of their directors was like saying to me oh you're going to play till you're 50 I was like no I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> that might be a bit of a push uh-huh. I don't know what the record is in the Irish League though I'm thinking who Mickey Keenan Mickey Keenan played for Distillery I think in Europe, possibly. Oh, forty six or forty seven. Good, uh, good shout, actually. A one yeah. came in on a sort of a temporary contract, if I remember rightly. That's because I was going to say the uh, the old uh, one with Mickey was when they sort of half retired him, but he was like, well, they just stopped picking me," and then <laughs> and it came back again with sort of his yeah. take on it all. But he's still rocking that same hairstyle he's had for years. He's looking well. <laughs> so I'm not that long ago. That's uh, that moose, moosey. <laughs> what a what a man! What a keeper! Um, when it comes to current contemporaries in the Irish League what keepers would you sort of watch out for do you do that sort of thing are there keepers that you just enjoy watching play sort of that mutual respect in the in, in the, the Irish, Irish League, League yeah um, I think to be fair I think there's there's a few decent keepers in the Irish League at the minute um, one that would stand out straight away would be I would say uh, Johnny Tuffy I think he's all round he's just if you look at him, he looks like a goalkeeper in terms of his technique, his kicking technique. Um, he's like dis- a quarterback sometimes, isn't his he? His distribution is brilliant, yeah. Um, and he's done really well since uh, since he's gone to Glenavon. Um, other ones about at the minute would be the young lad actually at Ards. Yeah, Sam Johnston. Uh, re- obviously, whenever he was at the Welders that time, I, I, I seen him playing a, a bit. I like him. I think he's a, he, he's yeah. got a decent future. And obviously... The one that unfortunately is out injured at the minute would have been Big Roy Carroll. Yeah, of um, course. I, I'd just like to say, hopefully, hopefully he makes a, a full and speedy recovery. Yeah, and we echo those sentiments. Mm. Uh, really, uh, really top keeper. Um, I just want to ask you about Derry City because obviously lots of change going on at um, at the club at the moment. New manager. Uh, the pitch is looking fantastic. The, the, what they've done with the stadium and obviously in and renaming it um, and everything like that. Uh, and a brand new look to the squad. Um, how good do you think they're going to be this season? Obviously, they've got the campaign off to a not too bad start. Yeah, I think it. I think it was, it'll be still a tough season for them because you've got the likes of Dundalk, St. Pat's are after bringing in a few decent players as well. You've got Rovers, uh, Bohemians. Obviously, have got a decent start. That's a tough league. That you a Bose fan? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh My dad, my dad played with Bose, so it was, it was in the in the in the the family were all Bose. Bowes fan, so, um, but yeah, no, I think I think what what Decky is doing at, at Derry is brilliant because he's getting the he's trying to get the whole community back behind behind the football club, and as you said, what they've done up there in terms of the brandy well is, is great because we were up there playing institute in the Northwest Cup, and the changing rooms, the whole the whole place is, is is brilliant. So if they can get the if they can get the fans back on side and everything, you know, the brandy well's a 
can be a tough place to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially if you're driving from Uri. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but someone actually worked out the mileage. Um, I need to go, that. Yeah, I need to go find that tweet again. But it was something like, can, can you remember where it was? It that was they something said? that if you was you end up in Greece or something. If you, drive, <laughs> you drive to Greece or something throughout the season. With all the miles that Derry have to do over the course of a season, you could drive to Greece. Something like that, yeah. Before, it was a bit further or something. They said yeah, that the same with Finn Harps as well, wasn't it? Because when you think about it, you traveling the, the length and breadth of Ireland mm. yeah. so you can get, get those miles up I think of Ireland's going very very well at the moment I mean I think I've seen the attendance figures I think last weekend over 20,000 people watched the League of Ireland Premiership yeah. I was wondering because I, I looked at something there as well and you had, it was a Cork had over 4,000 Rovers at the same yeah. um, even I think Bowles went out to UCD last week and there was nearly 2,000 there and normally at UCD you wouldn't mm. you'd be lucky if you got a couple of hundred no that's incredible Fantastic. You've also mentioned your father there, and obviously, appreciate you've obviously you've lost him over the last sort of twelve months, and I know it was very, very hard for yourself personally to deal with. I mean, obviously, he's been a big supporter of you over your your course of your career. Yeah, um, I, I, he's just everybody will say you know the bit of that, but he was he was just a wonderful man. You know, he was he was brilliant, uh, and. It, and knocked me for six. He was living with me, you yeah. know. He, mm-hmm. After my ma passed away, he came to live with me, and um, it, I don't have the words really to describe yeah. it, you know. But what I what I what I look back on now is that I made a decision to to, to sign for Armagh because it was closer to home. And looking back on it now, it was it was a brilliant two years for me because I was able to take my dad to the games, and he was able to come and watch the games with me. And and the one I look back on, people will not think it was a a big achievement but we won the Bob Radcliffe Cup at Armagh on a penalty shootout away to your local derby rivals in, at Loch Gall and the whole thing I look back on that now is because my dad was there that night yeah. and you, I've got that last couple of years to look back on when I was able to take him to the games and that but going back previous to that you know he was just just a just a just a, just a, a great you know you'll not if you if you if I took you back down to where we live in Dublin you'll not find anybody that would say a bad word about him, you know. He was yeah. just—he was just a great man. I mean, I know myself. I haven't lost my father a long time ago now. To be honest, my father was a massive distillery supporter, and uh, obviously now I'm involved in the board at distillery. To be honest, and I, I sort of think to myself, if he was here now, I'd be very, very proud of where I've got to. To be honest, I'm sure you, the same would be the same for your your father. Obviously, I haven't seen what you've achieved, you know. So it's uh, it's an emotional time for all of us, you know. Yeah. But you have a young son now coming up. That's the next the next generation. Yeah, Noah. He's uh, four months old. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's. Uh, that's keep me on my toes and keep yeah. me keep me young, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's brilliant having them around the house. And me, obviously, my daughter Shelby, she's eighteen, and uh, so yeah, it's it's good times at home and, and, and looking at that. But you, you know, you still, I'm sitting and I'm you know, obviously he doesn't understand what I'm saying to him and I'm talking <laughs> to him and talking to him about my dad, and my man. You know, it, it's it's tough knowing that he's not gonna he's not gonna get to see them. You know, I think. Um, well, I don't think I know. You put a post up during the summer, which got an incredible response on Twitter that I saw. Um, I just found it whilst uh, where the subject came up, really. Um, and you say, you know, think I'm ready to open up about the way I'm feeling. I hope it doesn't show a sign of weakness. April 30th, I lost my dad. And since then, I've been struggling mentally to cope with this. Each day is a mental barrier to try and get over. I miss you so much. And it's okay not to be okay, was the hashtag you put. And footballers and and, pe- and beyond that, just people, probably people you'd never met before, commenting and sharing stories. And 
Um, because every day we go, oh, the internet, this and that, oh, so bad, and Twitter and trolls. But uh, you need to have a heart of stone to not be moved by some of the comments you received. And I'm, I'm sure it was a great comfort to you um, to see that you opening up and, and making yourself very vulnerable um, actually allowed other people to do the same. Yeah, I think that was, you know, I, I had I'd kind of been thinking about it. I said to myself, if I come out and say this on social media, you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get. But what I was thinking was the way I am feeling, if if I can help, if, if it helps w- one person open up to somebody, then, it, then it's worthwhile. And the amount of the amount of comments that are shown on that, but the amount of the amount of actual messages and everything that I got from it was uh, was unbelievable. It's just it's. I'm very fortunate my my father's still alive. It's not something I don't think I can comprehend, and I I don't want to try to. Um, but to know that that support's there, I think that's the thing. Maybe that the people don't realise as well that, that that there's so much help and support potentially around and from the most unusual or unlikely of places at times. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's still that kind of stigma of just opening up and speaking to somebody. You know, people that are kind of. I don't know. It's, it, afraid is the right word to use, but people are, you know, they're conscious of what other mm. people will think. Whereas, if you if you do open up and you and you say, look, I I'm struggling here. People will help you. People will talk. You know, even if it's only listen, do you want to go with a cup of coffee and we'll have a chat. Mm. And I'm lucky enough that I've got, I've got close people around me that I can do that. Um, I've got good friends and I've got a great partner who, who's helped me through it. Brilliant, you know. So, from that side, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Fair play to you. Um, speaking of your your partner and indeed your your son Jimmy McGarry, big uh, friend of the program, obviously, uh, Mister Linfield, and you know whether they're winning or losing, he's always there watching. And at the minute, they were certainly winning more than they're losing. Um, he sent us a wee message a couple of minutes ago saying, uh, "John's partner and her father are lifelong Linfield fans. Um, could you ask him who his young son will support when he's a bit older?" <laughs> Bohemians. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> it's not a surprise there. Bose fan. Uh, here, can't have been easy being a Bose fan. I mean, you look at the last decade or so, oof, ups and downs and, and craziness. Yeah, but you, you, it's something that's that's in you. From you know, you don't you don't get to choose your football team, really, do you? I can remember <laughs> my dad took me to. For, I don't know. Don't I don't know the. Can't remember the score, but the first game at Daily Mint was uh, Bose against Galway, and you know, I remember at that stage. It was the home of, home of Irish football, yeah. you know, the national team and all played there at certain times. And you know, I'll never forget that walking up the steps into Daly Mountain, you know, whether they're winning or losing, that's your team, you support them. And I'm guessing the stuffed Galway that day. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I hoped he did anyway. Well, well I, I kept going back, so I, I presumed he did. Must have gone all right. My, and just mentioning that, my. Uh, so I have one brother, Niall. He has uh, his first football game. We all went to as a family, and we live in Carrick Fergus. You're going to think, right? It's going to be Carrick Rangers. It was a Galway United match. Okay. In, true, true story. We were in Galway a family holiday, and he said he would sit some when we were kids, sat and watched every match on the TV with us going, you know, love football. But he hadn't been to a game, and he's going, right, I need to watch it. I need to go see a game of football. Well, let's go away United are playing. Let's go watch a, a League of Ireland game, and and that's what we did. And I think it was an, actually it was an awful match. I can't remember who they were playing. It was <laughs> it wasn't great. Uh, he hasn't. I have once. Have yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not a. I'm sorry if anyone's from Galway. Listen, it's a beautiful part of the world. I'm not a Galway fan or anything like that. But um, as as my better half will attest to, wouldn't matter where I am in the world, I will go watch a football game if I am there and it's on. Mm, yeah. I mean, we went to see Sporting versus Estoril. 
in Portugal, um, and that was one they'll decide to buy a penalty. So you know, and she had our um, <laughs> sorry, just stupid. If anyone has had a weirder experience in a football ground, feel free. But you're allowed to smoke in those grounds, which I sort of thought was right, okay, whatever. But different when you're sort of going, <coughs> thanks very much, some fellow with a cigar behind us. But she had her umbrella taken out of her handbag and chucked in the bin by one of the security. The lady went, this? No. Threw it in the bin. And she's like, right, magic. So if anyone has ever... Uh, there's some strange things. You can't, you're allowed to smoke in the ground, but you can't have a brolly. I'm like, okie doke. So you if, can, you can, do, if you can beat that... You do damage with a brolly, can't you? You definitely right. can do. You take about five eyes out in once, I suppose. You do damage with a cigar as well. You stub it out in somebody's head. <laughs> that's, probably, what I was, <laughs> that's what I was sort of thinking. Um, you wouldn't do such a thing at the White Snow, Colin, though. No, 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 no. All right, uh, we're going to take a little break uh, from our chat with John Connolly, our special guest in the first hour of the programme, to do this. Yes, it is time for Where's Your Head At, where we look at the weird and wonderful stories throughout the week, often in the world of sport. I've decided to change that because the other week I just went on about zoos for ages. And if we can't figure them out, we simply make fun of them. Colin Hopkins, where will we start this week? No idea. Let's think. <laughs> um, here's one. Lin- Linfield this week invited their oldest supporter, Jimmy Willis, into the ground okay, to, uh, to celebrate his 100th uh, year. I was 100 years old, basically, and they brought him in saying, he's our oldest supporter, congratulations. And then I thought, great stuff, pat in the back, well done. And then I read through the article, and apparently he's never been to a game in his life. So how can you be a supporter, uh, 100 years old, and never been to a game in your, in your life? Yeah. Strange one. Uh, you know, <laughs> happy birthday. Yes. Congratulations, reaching 100. That is obviously amazing. Uh, no doubt you'll get a letter very soon if you haven't already. Um, but if you haven't been to a game... Are you a supporter? Exactly. Right. I sort of feel a bit mean saying that, you know. I suppose Linfield are going, if we turn him down, we're going to get so much abuse. So come on, <laughs> come on round. But yeah, look, he's he's put it right, and for the for the next 100 years, he'll be going to Linfield games. So fair play to him, part two. And there you go, a new Irish league fan to be to be commended. And uh, you know, maybe he's their oldest fan, not their longest fan. Maybe that's you know just poor communication through an article. Could well be. I don't, don't, know. Know. don't know. Strange don't know. one, Anna. Don't know. But the Queen could be a, a Linfield fan now too, couldn't she? You well, know, because you know some of her relatives Windsor. are over yeah. popping over to exactly. Windsor Park and having a kick about. Yeah, that's all right. And pulling pints as well. Yeah. Isn't it really funny though when famous people? Um, and sorry for anyone who takes umbrage of me sort of classing the royals as just famous people, but um, isn't it funny how we get them to do the same things? Like, oh. Bet you won't know how to pull a pint. Oh, here, kick a football. Oh, it's class. You kicked a football. And you're kind of going, what are we doing? It's just the strangest thing. As if, like, they wouldn't have experienced this. But then the cast of Emmerdale were on UTV. And so the the person on UTV said, and they're doing very well to adapt to the Belfast weather. And I'm thinking, they're from England? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yorkshire. Yeah, they're from Yorkshire. They're more than used to rain and cloud and... Nine degrees, like these are. It's not like they're coming over from Brazil and going a bit chilly, isn't it? It's uh, some of those things. Just, but it is. It's that celebrity thing where you're like, they'll have never done this before. I don't know, but it was fun to see. What yeah. else goes in there this week? Um, sticker cheapskates. I thought this was quite interesting. Right. Basically, this is a version of Panini, uh, where there's a 
couple of uh, individuals in England to actually draw the pictures of the famous <laughs> players. Now they look absolutely nothing like them to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're absolutely like a four-year-old or a five-year-old has drawn these pictures, stuck them on the sticker. But apparently Manchester United have taken the exception, exception to it all and have demanded they stop production of the ones featuring the Manchester United players. <laughs> they're just too funny it's unbelievable you haven't seen these it, it is it, it's kind of it's like you know when um, Pro Evo didn't have the license to anything so they always had like fake names for players <laughs> it's as if someone's gone yeah but what if they'd fake faces too do you know that sort of way and they've just it's, it's not great looking at all but it's kind of funny I, I liked how tacky it was you know when something just embraces how awful it is it's, it kind of becomes good again uh, it's that full circle thing but no man United aren't very happy copywriting etc 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 somebody's making a few quid and they're not so uh, down with this sort of thing careful now shameful um, lightsabers are in a where's your head at this week yes bizarre this is uh, thanks to uh, the French Fencing Federation because they have and you know fencing obviously is a, a very uh, well-known sport a very popular sport we've had fencers on this program Mm -hmm. but uh, now you don't just have to use your uh, epe or your saber or your foil now you can use a lightsaber and they have actually brought this in now so the french uh, fencing federation are allowing people to use led light up lightsabers in in duels can you dress up in your star wars costume (laughs) (laughs) that's a great question can you i hope so i Mm -hmm. I actually would like this to be the version that we get in the Olympics, you know, kind of like gladiatorial, uh, turn the lights all way down low and have them in light up jackets and, it, you know, like maybe bzz, maybe it lights up when it, they get hit or something like that. No? Not no, having it? It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? What do you call that game you used to run around and shoot each other? Um, the laser, laser quest. Laser quest. Yes. I, like it. I like the idea that this could be like some sort of laser quest crossover. Uh-huh. That would be good for me. Or it could even just be a game show on a TV channel. As long but, as it's still in there. <laughs> you gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be dressed up. I, I just, I'm not sure whether you get to pick the color of your lightsaber. You know, like which side of the force <laughs> are you on? Be a bit offensive, wouldn't it? If you think oh, they love me here, and you get, no, you're the, you have a red one, you're the body. Oh, yeah, but the other thing I thought was interesting. Though, you mentioned the Olympics. I mean, apparently it's under consideration for the, the inclusion of the next Olympics is breakdancing. What's that got to do with the Olympics? I have no idea. Breakdancing now recognised as a sport. That's why. Again, the, bring your own little bit of Lionel. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Spin on your back. Yeah, I like the idea, though. I want them to. I don't want this to be an elitist thing where only people who have loads of money can enter. I want it to be like the fellas that do it in the street and the yeah. girls that do it in the street. Yeah. And you go, I know that lad. I, mm. I know that. You know, I want it to be kind of like the X Factor where anyone can apply and like the first 100 or whatever just get accepted. I want it to be that so you can go. That fellow we always were a wee bit, wee bit dubious if he's okay or not. Ah, he's he's in it too. I, that's, I think for me that would be more entertaining than seeing people who have spent their whole life dedicated to it. Interesting choice, am I? Yeah, it is. But other sports that have been uh, bandied about in the past, and one that I tried, Ultimate Frisbee, which it hasn't made the grade yet, but uh, it's certainly interesting. Actually, knitting used to be part of the Olympics in the early days. That's a genuine fact. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it does indeed. Gosh... And, uh, and uh, I wonder what the viewing figures were for that. Knit <laughs> and uh, pearl one. That's no, that's not great at all, actually, is it? Um, where's your head at? Uh, I, I actually really like it. The Derry City fan, did you see that? I, the ball. That's <laughs> totally mad. <laughs> uh, the, ball, the ball goes into the crowd, and one of the supporters grabs it, and with with absolute, it, it just looked like with hatred, just <laughs> threw it as far away as possible. He was just like, and, and chucked it away uh, from uh, the 
opponent just to make sure they couldn't get a throw in on time which uh, I like that level of commitment um, maybe he'd just been told he was too old to be a ball boy and he was a bit upset by it all he certainly put some well into that throw he threw it right to the other end of the pitch like. unbelievable no <laughs> it's actually quite an impressive mm-hmm. throw but I don't know that uh, I don't know you'd be impressed if it happened to you no you know, it's one of those ones that uh, we've seen players have run-ins with uh, spectators and, and ball boys before over this sort of thing, but thankfully it didn't boil over, um, but it, it amused the life out of me. Mm. Um, speaking of boiling over, though, some things have boiled over in the last week. Uh, Kepa, Aretha Balaga, your uh, goalkeeper, Chelsea's number one, still the number one. Um, he has said sorry to Sarri since, and he also said that he didn't mean to go against his manager's wishes. This is when he refused to do what his manager wished and come off the pitch. Chelsea subsequently lost the penalty shootout. You're a Chelsea fan, Colin Hopkins. You, uh, I've seen during this week, have been tweeting about, oh, it's a big old misunderstanding. Um, Complete storm in the takeout. Don't think so. I think it's one of the most disgraceful things I've seen in ages. You were indicating he should be sacked for it. I, I, I wouldn't want... Now, he came out and said sorry, so... If so Jane basically, had, well, let's get this right. Harry Cantor can jump into the crowd and come for you somebody and not be sacked. Did he not face a lengthy suspension? Well, he did, yes. So, and this keeper got, yeah, what, a week's the, wages, which is pocket money? But he hasn't broken any rules. He, it doesn't matter. It's the spirit of the game. and <laughs> the, Ooh, But there's a manager. Spirit of the game. No, but it is. It's the spirit of the game. There's a manager. It's it's his job, and this is this is as big an act of insubordination as possible in a cup final. In a cup final, his manager has tried to substitute him, and he has decided at his at his young age, and maybe this is what kind of gives him a bit of leeway. At his his his, his age, he decides, no, do you know what? I'm better than the club. I'm better than the manager. I know best. I'm staying on. And who was the replacement? It wasn't like they were putting on some cabbage. They were putting on Willie Caballero, who played and trained with Manchester City, knows their penalties inside out, and actually could have won Chelsea a cup. Instead, Kepa throws an Aguero penalty in underneath him, and he's losing. He comes out and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know what a substitution board was. and <laughs> Lost in translation, sorry. I still think there was a misunderstanding that they had. Not Chelsea, a chance. Chelsea backroom staff had no idea that he was, he was fit to go on. From Sarri's viewpoint, he was obviously ripping because he thought there was a chance of an injured goalkeeper taking part in a shootout. But by the time he'd got round, obviously the damage had been done. But same time, the substitution was co- substitution was completed. It might have taken four days to get there, but <laughs> <laughs> we got there. Right? But I'm not having it, and the reason I'm not having it is how hard is it to go? Are you okay, John? Are you okay? And you give the old thumbs up, and he goes, "Ready, he's okay." But, the, the, the but he thing, did that. But then Sarri didn't listen to him anyway. The thing you don't understand is everybody's mic'd up, physios. Whoever go on to treat me are all mic'd up, so surely they're getting the message back to the to the to the dugout to say, look, mm-hmm. he's okay to go on, or no, we've got to make the substitution. Once once it goes beyond that, and the manager had the had Caballero ready to go on, and he was looking to take him off, then it's it's massive disrespect towards the manager and and the club really. Um, but I, I can understand why he did want to come off as well. You know, you he's probably saying to himself, I've got a chance to save him get this penalty shoot and being the hero and, and what have you and if he felt that he was fit enough to go on I can understand that but if, if you were in the same doesn't look good let me see from your, your viewpoint uh, as a goalkeeper you say there's a chance of being the hero that makes sense you know yourself in yourself you're fully fit there's no chance at all of you needing to go off would you sort of object in the size or would you have went straight off would you have thought in your head hold on man. maybe not or try to convince the manager you're fine to go on I would have tried to get the message to the manager that I'm okay in a in a better way. It just didn't. It, the whole the, the swing of the arms and the longer it went on, it just didn't look. Mm. It just didn't look good. Um, from the other the other thing that came out as well was it was it a, was it a tactical thing and obviously 
it couldn't have been that because they would have they would have known prior to it that this was going to happen yeah. Yeah, he would have been informed of that so it was just down to that that misunderstanding but the thing I don't understand is you know the physios everybody's mic'd up they're all in touch with the bench surely the guy they were able to get that word back to the bench to say no he's okay he's, he's good to yeah. go I think yeah. what frustrated me much as much as sport is that Chelsea on the day played very very well um, it was just frustrating that the whole Embassy, even Manchester said he didn't get the, the coverage the shooter got. No, you know the following day, it was just all I forgot. It was all about yeah, it was all about goalkeeper, that, yeah. goalkeeper. And and that shows you just how rare that sort of scenario is because that's a fair point actually. About if they were in agreement before the game, that communication would have all been done and they would have yeah. known what was going on. Um, if it was a tactical thing, because goalkeepers being substituted for penalties isn't a new thing. I mean, no. we saw Louis Van Gaal do it a couple of World Cups ago, for example, with the Netherlands team, and it's been done multiple times happened, by different people. It happened in an FA Cup final a few years ago. between Sligo and Shamrock Rovers. Okay. And I think the, I think the Sligo keeper came on and saved four penalties. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the, it could have backfired. The other side of that side is if it had been tactical, let's say he had brought Calabar on. And he hasn't and, saved any. And he hasn't saved any. All of a sudden, Sarri wouldn't even have got it. Well, you know but well, you would have probably preferred that, wouldn't you? Because you lost anyway, so if you could have lost and got rid of Sarri as a Chelsea fan, no, you'd probably been delighted. I want Sarri to say. If he had, I think if he had to come on, and I know they're, they're top top players, the City players, it would have put a little bit of doubt in their head. Yep. You, you heard Vincent Company's interview straight away saying yep. they were they were delighted when they, they seen that mm. Caballero wasn't coming on. I think the other thing that frustrated me as a supporter was the lack of leadership on the pitch. I mean, obviously your captain should have been straight over and said, what's going on here? But he wasn't. He was nowhere to be seen, and that was frustrating from that sort of viewpoint as well. I think the best that's we got was Chelsea lacking at the moment as oh. a leader, a John Terry type leader. I think it's a very fair assessment. But you get the wee hand over hand the mouth, cup nonsense yeah, from yeah. David Luiz, and you're like, is that really the best anyone he, can offer? You know what? Is he even saying that? And is he just doing that just to yeah to look yeah. Uh-huh. look busy? Yeah. yeah. I think as well. Did it not happen to you with Les Sealy at Man United? I think you're right. And a, yeah. I can't I can't remember the match, but I, but I saw I someone talking about that. I don't think he had the argument with with. With Ferguson, I think he had the argument with the phys- the physio wanted him to bring him off, and obviously at that stage they, they went mic'd up and everything. And I think yeah. he, was, he had an argument, with, but he stayed on with the big bandage around his knee, and I think he saved it. I don't know what he saved the but he ended up winning winning the game anyway. Okay. Look, I understand in a big high pressure match, you want your players to back themselves, and if he doesn't have that in his personality, he can't be an elite goalkeeper. So I accept that, but I do think that when your manager tries to take you off. You see, if he doesn't want to come off, why doesn't he walk to the sideline and have a private word with his manager? Why is he standing in the spot and screaming and gesticulating? I think uh, even if there was a good intention in there somewhere, it was lost in, in bad conduct. Mm. But um, he, was he, str- he was struggling during the week with an injury as well, wasn't he? Because there was a, a doubt on him. With a hamstring sure or something, I think, yeah. yeah. But um, what, the, the punishment has obviously happened. He, he got his fine of his week's wages and uh, he was dropped for the, the subsequent game and, and by the way Caballero had a clean sheet Caballero could have stayed at home he had, there was no shots in target it'll be interesting now to see but because Caballero played will he, will he stick with Caballero now that's the question I think he should it was you know it was kind of easy to leave him out then on the, at the next game especially would have been so quick after the cup final it'll be interesting now to see if he, if he sticks I, I with think him I agree with Michael I think he will stick with him yeah. in the next game or two to be honest and well, you can imagine he can't drop a keeper. He's, he's he kept a clean sheet. You can imagine him, his reaction. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be banging down the yeah. door saying, well, "Hang on a minute, I've come in, kept a clean sheet. Why am I not playing?" If you yeah. if you keep a clean sheet in a big game, that was a very big game. If you keep a clean sheet like that, especially after everything that went before and all the publicity, because there's pressure on him. And 
okay, I take your point that Harry Kane and co. didn't have a very good game. And indeed, Harry Kane getting away without any punishment from the FA is a where's your head at. And whether it's because he's English, England captain, whatever. Golden child. Um, I think it's poor. Uh, Man United fans probably have sat and gone, oh, it means he can play against Liverpool in a few games time, so that's okay. Um, but <laughs> it's still, it's still ridiculous. Hmm? Only if he scores the winner. Oh, yes, <laughs> just for extra headlines. Yeah, but you mentioned Manchester United. Let me let me just move on to that subject of the game against well, Liverpool. Thought you might. Do we think Ole was wrong to put an injured player on the bench? No, no, no. I think as in Lingard. Yes. Again, you would like to think that whole between the manager, the player, and the the. But there's obviously the been a breakdown somewhere. You managed what ten minutes was it? I don't know if it's a breakdown though. I I think there's trust in football, and we've seen examples of it being used and maybe having different outcomes. But he, Lingard's obviously really wanting to play. He scored in the previous encounter, and I would imagine um, he said, "I I am fit to play." And they've said, "Right, not from the start. We'll bring you on ten or twenty minutes to go." Yeah. And circumstances have changed, yeah. and they've thrown him on, and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh gosh, you shouldn't be on there." Mm. And the intensity of the game at the time that he came on probably doesn't help. If he comes on with 10 minutes to go, it might be slightly different. But we'll never know. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Injuries can happen at any stage too. But, uh, oh well. Um, it's a strange one, wasn't it? You know, Man United besieged with injuries and with... Uh, well, let's, let's be honest. You know, people ridiculed, really fiercely ridiculed Josie Mourinho for giving Scott McTominay so many chances. Scott McTominay starts against Liverpool, has a really good game, and Liverpool, by all intents and purposes, weren't very good. No, very poor. So, um, I was my uh, my next door neighbour's a big Liverpool man. I was talking to him this morning over the fence, and uh, <laughs> and he was kind of going, "Oh, we're we're going for this league now." And I said, "You know, there's a good old chance you'll only lose one game all season, and still not win the league." And his face just dropped. Oh, that was quite funny. That was all. Um, but Liverpool fans, mathematically, that's still a thing. Uh, so just just remember that. Um, anything else to throw in there? There's a little tweet went out from a guy called Anto Campbell last week. I'm not sure if you've seen this one. haven't seen this one. Anto went on to sort of Twitter and said, he was, the great thing about Twitter is that you can go and slabber away to people because they can't do anything about it because they don't know your home address. And then Paddy Barnes oh, replied, here's my home address, and put his home address on the Twitter. Yeah. And I said, who's going to go and challenge Paddy Barnes about a tweet? Out love that. Me anyway. That's, that's <laughs> very Paddy Barnes, and I love it. Fair play, Paddy. Um, I don't know if it's a word you're head at, but Marwan Fellaini's uh, off to a decent start. Uh, he scored the winning goal for Shangdong Luneng in uh, a 1-0 victory in the Chinese Super League on his that's debut as well. Okay. There you enough. go. Proving to be a good sign for High them. standard, eh? Okay. Well, the only other one I have is this is my final one. Is Eddie Howe? Did you see the chewing gum one? Yes. Fantastic. I mean, he's obviously chewing gum, but drops out of his mouth without even blinking. Just puts his hand out and grabs. That was goalkeeper's classy. You'd love that one. Huh? Unbelievable. <laughs> Instinct. Such reflexes. I know. It's uh, the the talent. Uh, he doesn't even get credit for. Very good. Um, so uh, no, that's a fairly good selection there. I think if you've any other ones that you want us to give a wee mention, if we don't get through them later on today, we can give them a shout out next week's program. The score and I on Twitter is where you can do that. The score and I is also on Facebook. And just before I forget, I want to say a big thank you to everybody that's liked and followed the page over the last while. Uh, brilliant numbers. Over a 1,000 of you now on our Twitter and over 1,500 on Facebook. So that's great to see. And we put out lovely little graphics uh, to celebrate this. And uh, people have been saying that the wee fella uh, looks a bit like me. Obviously because he's got a winning smile and he looks dead friendly. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> it's like one of those cards we were talking about where people drew, drew their faces, you know, but then I, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, uh, no one's to face the wee fella yet, so that'll do. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, you're listening to The Score here at live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special guest, John Connolly, the Ballinamallard goalkeeper. Uh, just a quick look at our polls before we uh, ask John about the, the big game tomorrow. Obviously, Irish Cup quarter final uh, ahead and uh, one game taking place tonight. We'll be talking about that in the second half of the programme too. Um, so, poll one that we're running for you today on Twitter, as I just bring it up in front of me. Brendan Rodgers left Celtic for Leicester because, and we want you to fill in the blank, is it because they're a bigger club? Is it because of the players available? Which is what... Uh, one of their coaches was saying that Rodgers had said was it because money talks or was it because the Scottish League's a bit too easy kind of like completed it mate uh, he wasn't waiting around for a treble treble uh, poll 2 Irish Cup quarterfinals on Saturday which of these rivals will go the furthest Balamina, Korean or neither both of course could lose in this round poll 3 be honest have you ever refused to be subbed off yes I'm the original Kepa wanted to but bottled it or no way just so you know at the moment 2% have said yes so whoever you are, hang your head in shame. But fair play for being honest. Seventy-eight uh, percent have said no way. The rest have said they wanted to, but they bottled it. Well, have you ever? Have you ever been in that scenario where you've the, the subs board's gone up and you thought I'm not having this? Never ever. Thankfully not. Anyway, no. Uh, uh, Harry, don't I, do it tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. I've played. I've played. Played games through injuries, like. But no. I mean, I played again back at the Res. I played eight games at the Res where I broke a kneecap. Oof. Getting injections before oh, the game just to get through it. So now would be. Doing that anyway. And they were the ones who kept the clean sheets in as well. How, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how bad are those other strikers? <laughs> Only joking. And uh, St David's Day, which of these is your favourite David? David Beckham, David Coulthard, David Dickinson, or David Healy? Uh, Colin, who's your favourite David of those four listed? Asper Dickinson. Cheapest chips. Cheapest chips. He's got, Bring it on. He's got 25% of the vote so far. <laughs> uh, out of those, I know you, you want David Seaman in there, so uh, he's not though. So who would you pick? What would he? Um, um, Beckham, Coulthard, Dickinson, and Healy. Beckham. I can't say Healy. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> the wee man's first words, Healy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yes, let's talk about the game tomorrow then, shall we? Stangmore Park uh, for your Irish Cup quarter final. And I imagine there's a great buzz around the club to be at this stage. And, you know, one win away from a semi final, two wins away from a big day out at Windsor Park. And a new suit. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is. Yeah, because only actually only heard during the week they, they've only reached the quarterfinals once before. So uh, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. Um, obviously, Dungannon are going to be going to be favourites. They're the, the Premiership team. They're at home. They're in good form. Chris Lindsay's done a, a great job since he's took over there. So all the pressure's on them. What? You can just go and enjoy yourselves. What do you make of your manager's comments that Chris Lindsay is the soldier of the Swifts? Did he say that? Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a great alliteration, by the way, Harry. That's he, he, so if, the, it, the, if he doesn't fancy being a manager, he'd be a baby, good journalist. The baby faces it. Yeah. Um, oh, look. He's, <laughs> he's done a great job since he took over at Dungannon. You know, um, they, they've been on a... I think they were beaten last week, obviously, but prior to that, they, you know, and even even good the last on, yeah. round of the Cup, going to, was it Glenn went to Glenavon yeah, yeah. and, and knocked him out. So, you know, he's done a, he's done a good job, as I said, we we're just looking forward to the game. They're playing very good football at the moment um, and looking forward to it. Um, I said, you can't obviously divulge tactics uh, the day before a big game. That would be a bit silly. And, uh, so I'm not even going to humour myself by asking the question because I know you'll just bat it back at me. But in, in terms of your squad and, and your team, um, wh- what do you think is important here? Is it is it 
raising the game? Is, it, is, is there something that you have sort of isolated in your mind? Is this how we're going to do it? Just honestly, just treat it, treat it as, as a normal game, as, a, as every other week. Um, and hopefully, you know, you get that little bit of luck on the day and, and get into the next round of the cup. And just hope nobody says, do you know why there's actually a statistic about how many times we've been in this position before? Because <laughs> talking about records doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it, hey, look, it's, it's, a, it's a good day for the club tomorrow. And, and as I said, everybody's looking forward to it. I don't want to keep saying it, but yeah, yeah it's, pressure's on them. And it's exciting to be in, in this stage, certainly. And, you know, with all respect, paid and everything, it's probably a really nice surprise for all of you guys to be at this point in the competition because when you look at all the teams at the very start or whatever, when all the Premiership teams come in, you'd be forgiven for thinking, it's going to be hard to get here. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and, and we'll look back at, the, at the, the run that we were on early in the season that we've... You know, to get into the top six from where we were and now to have a quarter-final to look forward to tomorrow as well. So, um, yeah, it's good. So, right, we're in the dressing room before the game. Who's given the Braveheart speech? Um, or the Coach Carter speech? Choose your own analogy. <laughs> who would be doing it? I don't know, to be honest. That's, I don't really know. The man, See, to be fair to the manager, he goes to absolutely... We've... Right from... And this is for every game, this is for every league game from the beginning of the week. We're getting messages right throughout the week on the opposition, on the players, on the formation that they, they're most likely to play. So in terms of all that, you you don't really need that. You know, we've got everything. Everything's there for us and for, you know, to, to help us as much as we can. See, because I'm not accusing him of spy getting BLT and stuff. I know it's been talked about to death, uh, but... Um, People were saying, what good's all that research that Bielsa and his crew had done? What's, what difference does it really make if you know how many times the left-wingers played left-wing and how many times he, he swapped and played on the right or whatever? But as a player, does it does it give you a bit of a confidence boost or a bit of reassurance when you feel like there's as much prep as possible on the opponents? Yeah, it's it's, it's good to know you know certain things. Obviously, they, they can be, it can be overload sometimes with certain things that go in and you don't, maybe it doesn't register with you, but in terms of what I manage, it, it, it's brilliant. And I've never come across it, to be honest with you, b- before the amount of stuff that we get. And and it's there to help us. And I don't, don't want to be... I'll get a bit of stick if I keep blowing, blowing the manager's trumpet. <laughs> <jumping, but>, uh, <laughs> if you don't start tomorrow, I am shocked at this stage. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's only saying that so he can start the game. But, but see, he'll take me off tomorrow. Kepa. <laughs> uh, one thing about there, I mean, the, the way the draw has panned out at the moment, I mean, obviously, another game there, Warren Point 10 against Lauren Tech Old Boys. It does pave the way for a potential one of the yourself, maybe, to get right through to a final. Is that something you've. Are you just are you thinking of tomorrow? Are you thinking, well, let's get through and. See if we can get that draw. No, just waiting. Just, just think about tomorrow. But I know what I, I do know what you're saying because there is, there's, and then you've obviously got Lauren Cole Ryan tonight. That's a big yeah, game. Yeah. Whereas it, you know, and yeah, you have obviously Linfield out of it. Linfield, but they're still there, still a bit clear favourites. But with them going out of it now, that does make. And the other one is Crusaders Balamina, Dave. One of them will drop out of it as well. One of them going as well. So it is a, it's an opportunity for one of the, for one of the lesser clubs. That's what makes it so. Fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, and I absolutely love the Irish Cup, and I I sincerely mean that, and I know I said it all the time, but when people talk about, you know, what's the FA Cup mean these days to people? Uh, thankfully, the Irish Cup doesn't have that feeling about it. Um, as a as a player, um, 
what's it mean to you to be a part of it and obviously to have been a part of it for for many years oh it is it's, it's great because you do you still get that when it, when the first round comes around and it's it's, it's always cup week right from the, the beginning of the week training and everything and um, obviously then the further you get on it, it, it it's great and now looking forward to a quarter final um, it, is, it has, still has that 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 buzz about it. It's it's different to the it's different to the FA Cup and the Premiership and all the money that's that's involved over there that they have to get into the top four. And I mean, this is the this is your blue ribbon competition. You know, everybody everybody wants that day out and whenever it is May or wherever. As I said earlier, the new suits and and all that kind of stuff. Does it feel different being in this position at Balnamallard than at Cliftonville, where? The expectation Don't levels are very different. Cup and Cliftonville <laughs> in the same. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Dear points of view. <laughs> um, no, it's, it it doesn't feel any. It's it's the Irish Cup again. It's it's great. It's it is the one you look forward to. And as I said, that it's the last game of the season. If you get to the final, then you can, you'll either have a really good summer or a really bad one. Mm-hmm. Well, I am at Dungannon, Ballon Mallard on Saturday, so I'll, I'll see you there. I hope you have a fantastic game. Um, and I'll extend that, obviously, to uh, to both number ones, so no one can accuse me of anything. Uh, but, John, it's been a pleasure having you in with us today. Um, really, really interesting. And uh, wish you all the very best. And just don't let Jimmy McGarry press you into converting uh, Noah into being a, a Linfield fan. No, he's, already, he's, he's already got his balls top and everything. He's, <laughs> he's going down the, down the way to Dublin to watch balls. That's his first game. And th- does he have to be a goalkeeper? We've had this discussion. That have you actually, yeah? Centre forward where the money is. See? Better think on that. had that discussion with who? What age is he? Four months now? Oh, no, but not with him. No. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Dad, look, hold on. Centre forward, gold, gold. No, it, it'd be great if he's a goalkeeper, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, John Connolly, Balna Mallard goalkeeper. Massive game for the club tomorrow. Will it be a semi-final outing for the Fermanagh side? That's certainly what they're hoping for and best of luck for it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first star each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.